Everything F1, driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. You are speaking, you're, you're watching, sorry, James Tiller, and my team is Coops and Emma. Hiya, Coops. Hello. Hello, Emma. Hiya. How are you doing? You all right? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How about you, Coops? You've been uh, had a busy week? I'm just plodding on, working. Try to fill this last wee bit before the end of the summer break, so we actually have some something to talk about, but, you know, there's, yeah. been, a, there's been certain things going on, you know, we've got the engine regulations dropping some formula e news dropped today which is quite good to see mm -hmm. and then at the scary prospect of looking at the spa focus on weather for next week for the weekend i thought <laughs> oh no not again so so yeah it's, it's good uh, i want formula one back though they've had yeah. their break we're done come on let's get back on it a few let's weeks in a row and then get on with it please please yeah. are, you, are you feeling the same emma yeah yeah definitely just four more days to go when we're recording this <laughs> yes we've also got a special guest with us today who has popped along to talk to us about his career also about obviously the spa weekend upcoming you probably recognize the face you will definitely recognize the voice if you watch formula e or you listen to radio 5 live it's jack nichols hiya jack how are you good thank you Look, looking forward to this it's been a while since i spoke about f1 it feels like so i'm suddenly i'm suddenly on wikipedia now being like oh yeah what what's happened I've, I've forgotten, so. <laughs> try and bluff through it should be all right yeah, I'm sure it'll all come flooding back as we get into the discussion. But thank you very much for joining us today. For anyone that doesn't know who you are, which I can't imagine there are many, can you kind of give a brief one minute description of who you are and why it is that we'd like to speak to you today, do you think? I don't have an answer to the latter, but overall, <laughs> I, I yeah, I do the commentary for, for BBC Radio 5 Live and the Formula One app as well on sort of the live timing app so yeah i've done that since 2016 sort of all the races and then i've i've commentated on formula e for pretty like most most races over the last eight seasons so and that mm. obviously just finished a couple of weeks ago in in south korea so yeah that's that's me that's why you want to keep listening <laughs> well, I'm sure there's plenty of people that know exactly who you are, so they'll be happy to hear your opinions on things. Obviously, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Wow, we're on loads of places. We're also on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com, and also this podcast itself. And we'd love you to hit the subscribe button on your podcast streaming service to get the latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Okay, well, let's go into the Spa weekend then. Spa is probably one of the tracks that everybody looks forward to every single year. Is that an accurate way of, dis uh, of describing Spa, Jack? I think so. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those oddities where we all love Spa and it's an amazing circuit and stuff. Does it? Does it give us the 
the best racing now I think about it. I, I don't really remember <laughs> too many kind of spa classics in the in the dry, but we've had some we've had some good races there. And as you say, it's a, a really great track that the drivers love and and the history is sort of the 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 big thing too having you know raced around i think they've been racing around there since the 30s or something on the Mm. on the longer version of the track so yeah i think it's certainly a race that everybody looks forward to and it you know signifies the start of the second half of the season absolutely it does what can you say about spa oh it's one of the classics isn't it you know i can still remember seeing the hakenin schumacher and Zonta passed that after the long straight, and the name of it escapes me, where, you know, Hackney goes round the outside, and poor Zonta had nowhere to go. I mean, <laughs> you imagine being inside that crash helmet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as it's, it's Jack says, it's, it's had its moments, but sometimes, you know, you think, is it, what's it doing? And then, of course, there's all the speculation that it might not be here next year, so that's yeah. it. Which will disappoint fans indeed, because it is a classic track and it's a a track that fans like to go and kind of make the pilgrimage to. It's kind of described as. How about your feelings on it, Emma? Are your feelings on the Spa weekend? Is it someone that you look forward to to watching each year? Do you like to watch the cars go through Eau Rouge? Yes, definitely. I'd say that it's probably one of my favourite tracks, to be honest, in Formula One. I just don't want to have really high expectations. Obviously, Mm. last year's race was a bit of shambles because of the weather. We might have a repeat of, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly. We might have a bit of a repeat of that this year. Obviously, the weather is bad, particularly on Saturday, I think. Mm. So we'll see how it goes. But I do think it is a shame that its future is a bit, you know, uncertain at the moment. Yeah, well, the first Grand Prix in Spa was in 1950. As Jack said, they've been probably using the track for a lot longer than that. But we're going to have 44 laps and a lap is 7.004 kilometres. So that means makes the total race distance of 308.052 kilometres. Can you tell that I'm reading this? The lap record is currently held by Valtteri Bottas and he did that in 1 minute 46.286 seconds in 2018. Now, we can't imagine any lap records are going to happen because they're also... Is it going to count as the same track now they've remodelled Eau Rouge? Does anyone know? Are they, are they kind of completely wiping the uh, the slate clean for fastest laps? Because it, uh, potentially that means we could get a new fastest lap because it's a new, newly modelled track. What? What? Do, Coops, are you are you aware of this? Well, I know they've uh, they've done a wee bit of rejecking, but I mean I don't know if it's enough to consider it as a new change. lap. Yeah, I think it's I'm mainly not... runoff areas, isn't it? Rather than yeah. the, the track itself. I think it's sort of runoff areas that they've kind of extended and, and made bigger. So I, I reckon it's still the same track. Still the yeah. same track? Okay. But so Ogre's is not going to be too different then. We're not getting yeah, like, oh. I, ha- I haven't heard anything to say that it's been reprofiled or changed. It'll look different because the runoffs are different and it yeah. changes the perspectives. But I, yeah, I haven't heard anything. To okay. say that it will be. I did think that because I was writing the notes the other like, has it been changed? But I haven't seen anything to say that it has. So So we're not going to be seeing any lap times fall as per Valtteri Bottas's fastest lap in 2018, you don't reckon? No. No, I don't think so either. Okay, so who do we expect to do well then? If the weather is going to hold off on the Sunday itself, you're going to have rain on Saturday, which will hopefully mix it up a bit if they get to qualify on Saturday. But who are you expecting overall throughout the race weekend to do well? We'll go to you, Jack, first as our guest. Do you think it's going to be a simple Red Bull win this weekend? Or do you think it's going to be made difficult by Mercedes or, you know, Ferrari if they can get their strategy right? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that I think we're in for a bit of an interesting one because Spa, the characteristics are quite 
different throughout the lap. So you're rewarded for straight line speed in sort of the first third of the lap and the last third of the lap, but then you've got the corners in the in the middle part of the lap. So you tend to see sort of different setup approaches. And so far this season, broadly speaking, Red Bull have been much quicker in in the straight lines. So you'd say that would kind of favor them and maybe the middle sector favors Ferrari. But I think we've seen so many times this season that Ferrari, even if they can qualify ahead, Red Bull have the straight line speed to to be able to get through and and make overtakes. So I think you'd be you'd be brave to 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 sort of bet against Red Bull this weekend. Interesting to see what Mercedes can do. Obviously, they're in pretty decent form. I still don't quite see them challenging right at the front. But I, I think every weekend we've come into it's ended up being Verstappen versus Leclerc, especially on Saturday. Yeah, okay, mm. it disappears a bit on Sunday, but I, I don't see why Spa would be any different. Really, I don't think we'll see sort of Red Bull completely disappear. No, and that's what, uh, hopefully that's, that's what the, you know, that's what we want to see. We want to see close battles all the way around the track. We don't want to see a complete dominant weekend from Max Verstappen or even Sergio Perez in the Red Bull. Coops, have it yourself. Are you, are you kind of leaning towards Red Bull being the, the quicker on the circuit? Of course, the, the Ferrari have got the, probably the faster car if, if they get the strategies right, but what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it would be a, a whole new level if Ferrari managed to screw up a qualifying strategy, let alone a race strategy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if any team's going to be able to do that, then it would be Ferrari. So, yeah, it's... On, on a Sunday, it's, it's all Verstappen. On a hmm. Saturday, it's either Verstappen or Leclerc or the other two, you know, that could hmm. possibly fling it in there. Personally, I want to see Lando do well. He did up until he, he wrote it off in the rain and that spectacular crash and... Q, I want to see Q2. I can't remember. I think it was Q2. I think it was. I think it was three, wasn't it? Was it three was at the last session. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. Because he was, he was fast all the way through, and he looked yeah. good, and then absolutely pinned it. Uh, so I want to see. I want to see Lando do well, uh, and I'm quite interested on Haas because both cars are now getting their upgrades for for Belgium. So not really any more hiding places for Schumacher. He kind of has to now start showing what he's got. Well, he's not got a choice. He wants to stay next year. But yeah, be interesting to see how it goes. Overall, I think Verstappen and Red Bull are probably going to have this. Same question to you then, Emma. Well, we might as well get the, everyone's opinion on this. Do you think Red Bull are going to be the more dominant this weekend? Yeah, have... yeah, um, okay. definitely. Um... Same answer for me, really. I think that even if Leclerc manages to get it on pole, I think that maybe Max could uh, steal it on Sunday. But we do have to mention as well that I'm pretty certain that this weekend is the one where the Red Bull are having their flexi floor regulations. Like, so, so they might have to change their floor. Whether it will make a difference or not, probably mm. not. But it's just something to know. Yeah, so I, I'm expecting Mercedes to continue their upward trend. Are they are they going to get a double podium, though? That's what we're all going to be watching out for, I think, because they have just been getting more and more consistent. Lewis Hamilton's been on the podium for the last five races now, so that's a, yeah. it's a, it's a good run of form for him. Obviously, he would want to be on a higher step this weekend, or at least as, at some point through, for the rest of the season. But Mercedes are doing really well. Jack, you're, you, you're kind of pleased to see another team in the mix I am. I'm. I'm always a little bit. I'm always a. I'm always a little bit more pessimistic than others about Mercedes because, I like, it's it's you know, I want to see them up there doing well because I want the competitive order or the competitiveness to be close at the front. And I think what we're seeing Mercedes do is just get the most out of every race. They're not actually really much closer to to Ferrari and Red Bull a bit in race pace, but even all of Hamilton's podiums have come not on pure 
pace, broadly speaking. Mm. Okay, I think he was quicker. He, he kind of beat Perez, didn't he, in the race in France? But Perez had a horrible race. Leclerc crashed out. He would have finished ahead. Sainz had his, you know, drive-through penalties and unsafe releases and the Ferrari mess, so he would have finished. So I think I still think Mercedes are the fifth and sixth quickest cars on the grid. Mm. But in the way that Ferrari managed to 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 get things operationally wrong on every level. Mercedes just, and we've seen them do this for the last however many years, they just get the maximum out of the car. The car's still not great, but they just know exactly what to do to get the best possible finish. And when others have trouble, they're there. And then they're second and third for what, two races in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to add anything to that then with about Mercedes? Are you expecting Lewis Hamilton or, or George Russell to, to be up there pushing Ferrari at least for kind of the second and third step of the podium? It's kind of second in what Jack says. They'll be there if somebody else fails, but they don't have the faster car, the car to compete in a mano a mano with them, but they'll, they'll be there. If something happens, if somebody mm. trips over somebody's Ferrari put pinters on when it's a dry track, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we were just trying something. Yeah, you know, we should really lay off Ferrari's strategy, but it just can't. <laughs> it's an easy, it's an easy shot, isn't it? It's let's an, be honest. It's, it's easy, as, especially when Bonotto comes out and says they don't need to change the strategy team. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't bother. But yeah, I mean, Mercedes will do what Mercedes do. They'll be there waiting. The minute something happens, they'll get up, and you know, they could sneak a cell into the. The podium places. I'm not expecting them to be there on pace, but as as we've known with Hamilton over the years, if there's good luck to be had, Hamilton or Mercedes will find it. So they'll be there or thereabouts unless there's some sort of other shenanigans somewhere else. Okay, we'll go to you, Emma, about Ferrari. What do do you think Ferrari can do this weekend? Do you think we're going to see all those creases ironed out and the the strategy team are going to turn up? I think so. I think maybe we'll have at least one good race where they'll sort their strategy out. And I think uh, in terms of the championship as well, like them, they will start fighting Mercedes, I think. And the mm. problem is with Ferrari is that they'll either do well or they'll completely fail. You know, they'll come really far back down the grid or they'll DNF. And Mercedes is so consistent. They might not be finishing better and they might not have a faster car, but because they're always slightly behind, they're always there when they do fail. So I think the second half of the season is going to be a battle between Mercedes and Ferrari. So hopefully Mm. they should sort their strategy out, Ferrari, because they need to work on that unless they're going to be gone from the start, you know, being number one to falling down to third. Well, let's face it, they've got probably one of the better lineups on the grid. So they they really should be competitive. Obviously, this car's been a bit unfortunate with its luck as well as obviously bad strategy calls yeah. but uh, jack sorry i was gonna call you nickels then uh, oh, we're being very formal oh yeah mr nickel well, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the team of ferrari uh, obviously they're, they're great drivers it just hasn't fallen in place for them well tiller i think that i actually get called tiller so that's fine oh, okay great <laughs> mr tiller mr tiller sorry mr tiller to you yeah look, they've, they've got two good drivers in in leclerc and science leclerc leclerc for me is looking i don't know he's eh. He's really interesting, Leclerc, because he is obviously stupendously fast mm. and his qualifying performances have been superb. And we've seen that not only this year, but over the last few, he got, he got, he got two poles last year, didn't he? In that, in that Ferrari that didn't deserve to be anywhere near yeah. a pole position. So I think him and him and science are fine. I think science is better than Perez as a second driver, but I don't think he's on the level of, of Russell and Hamilton. But right. as Emma, as Emma pointed out, it's, it's that they're fighting Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship, which is a farce. 
they've they've got the quickest car over one lap. Mm-hmm. Mercedes have got the third quickest car over one lap, and yet they're they're thirty points ahead. Ferrari are thirty points ahead of Mercedes and a hundred points or ninety seven. I think if that's the uh, quick maths behind <laughs> behind Red Bull. So there's no way they should be even involved in a in a fight with Mercedes. And that's been the strange thing all year is even when I remember after I think it was Silverstone, I think it was Silverstone when Leclerc was fourth, Verstappen was seventh. It was okay, they messed up the strategy and could have won, but didn't win. But the gap came down to, you know, 40 something, I think at the time or 38. I can't remember exactly what it was. And you thought, well, that's still catchable that's still doable for ferrari considering they've got the quickest car and take all the poles but then you realize it isn't doable for ferrari if anyone else if mercedes had that (laughs) car you'd you'd fully believe they could they could turn it around but they but ferrari just can't and i think you know you hear it from this podcast you hear it from no one has any faith in ferrari right no one who watches (laughs) formula one has any faith that ferrari can deliver now and it's really really remarkable to the way that that's just the whole perception of Mm. everybody who has any interest in formula one it's like well obviously ferrari won't do this and i I don't to to be in that position as a professional sports team is really it's just nuts it's nuts yeah absolutely i mean we've got a lot of ferrari fans and one particular fan that will be watching it live is jr Mm -hmm. so hello jr again he's he's commenting as we speak yeah, he's, okay. but, but yeah. he has actually commented. Yeah, sadly, all the team Ferrari can do at this point is forget about the Max battle and square off against the Merck instead. Fair point, but I'm sure you'd still like to see them competing for the front. But yeah, I, I even even the for team Ferrari are kind of they know they know what they're what to expect. And I want to be team Ferrari, and I think every everyone was so excited to see Ferrari back in the title fight this year because Mercedes versus Red Bull last year was great, and mm. you know. Lots of angst and lots of whatever nonsense. But I think most people were pretty happy to see Ferrari fighting at the front. Everyone wants to see Ferrari fighting at the front. Even if you're not a Ferrari fan, you want to see them fighting at the front and to to sort of be involved in it. But the mm. fact that they're not is I think it's sad for everybody, whether you're a Ferrari fan or or, or just a fan of F1. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was famously said by Sebastian Vettel, wasn't it? it, it yeah. If you're not a Ferrari fan, you what you you still are a Ferrari. Everyone's a Ferrari fan. Um, I was just about to say that. I was thinking it as he was talking about. It. I was thinking Sebastian Vettel said that yeah. thing about Ferrari. <laughs> it's true, but it is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, Formula One it, it, it's it's synonymous with Ferrari. Ferrari is synonymous with Formula One. You put you you get the two brands and you stick them together, and that's that's kind of how they are throughout the whole sport. So we all want them to do well. We wanted them we wanted them to do well this week this year when they brought out that beautiful car mm-hmm. at the start mm-hmm. of the season. We were all kind of drooling and saying this could be their year, and it started off really well. But unfortunately, the uh, the, the wheels came off as as they say. I was just going to say, I think that's the one thing that hasn't gone wrong for them. I don't think they've I don't think they've lost a wheel at any point, have they? But that's that's, that's true. still still to come. That, yeah. Touch wood, touch wood. Well, let's talk about some other teams first. Then, who else is there to talk about? Should we talk about Sebastian Vettel and his team with the, with the Aston Martin? Obviously, he's got only got a few uh, the last few races of his career for the second part of the season. Can you see that Aston Martin doing anything different than he's been doing for the rest of the year so far? <laughs> Coops, go on. Yeah, no, they should do more, but I don't. I just don't see where they're going to do it. They'll sit round about. They'll probably sit round about the bottom end of the points, maybe twelfth, thirteenth. You know. Mm. You, I want Vettel to jump in, get themselves a handful of points. The only way they're going to get a decent amount of points if there's shenanigans and 
mm. you know, something similar to what happened at Hungary last year. You know, a few of the top runners end up out of position or out of the race and to get anything. And rain but, could do that, though, if it's raining on Saturday, but, especially during a qualifying. What, what I will say, though, is the rain isn't expected to be heavy, but then it is spark because I think it's like 30% is the highest. Right. And it's like 14, I think, on Sunday it's like 8%. So it's not like it's going to be like lashing down cats and dogs, but then, you know, it's spa. You know, mm. half the ray, half the track can be flooded, but the other part, you know, needs dry tyres. So, <laughs> uh, but it's not supposed to be soaking. Right. And I think that's what you're kind of needing for uh, Aston Martin, unfortunately. Loves a looking car, but it's a bit of a dog, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, I want Vel to do well. I want him to enjoy himself. Maybe he will start, you know, the pressure's off. You know, he doesn't have to prove anything. He's not going to be here next year. He's got mm. nine races. It's his swan song. Go out there and enjoy it. And, you know, you never know. He could find himself up near the top end of the points if things fall for him. But I think that's all they can hope for, really, with the car they've got. Uh, I'm not sure there's any more upgrades because they did a big upgrade to the rear of that car. They kind of changed the philosophy quite drastically mm. compared to what came out so I'm not sure there's any more coming or if there are it won't be massive Jack have you got any opinion on, on Aston Martin obviously there was lots of expectation coming into the season for them and they just haven't hit that kind of expectation at all no and remember there was all that controversy where was it was it Spain when they brought out the what did they they called it the green Red Bull or whatever green didn't Red they Bull, and, yeah, yeah. and all of that and that didn't really seem to, to do much I mean Vettel had those two races in Monaco and Baku, where he scored some some decent points, but then yeah, well they then they then had those two bad wet qualifying. So if it is wet qualifying mm. in Spa, I'm not sure that is great news for them because they had they were looking quite quick in I think it was Canada, yeah. And suddenly yeah, they were right. the, and they qualified last when the rain came, and it was a pretty similar story the next weekend in in Silverstone where they were looking kind of all right, and then mm. rain came and and that scuppered them a little. So, but I agree, it'll be nice. It would be nice to see Vettel have a strong end of the season. They just haven't really kicked on Aston Martin in the way that McLaren have kind of sort of semi-recovered from their tough start and Alpine have really done well with with Alonso in particular and even Haas turning up a bit in Austria and points for Magnussen in Silverstone too. So mm. they've just kind of got left behind a little bit, I think, in that midfield battle. Well, let's talk about one of our favourite teams. We'll go to Emma to talk about this. Uh, we we are not-so-secret McLaren fans <laughs> on the podcast, uh, Jack, and I know you probably have to remain completely partisan, so you can't admit that McLaren are also your favourite. But uh, Emma, what what are, you, what are you expecting from the, the, the Papaya team? This I'm obviously, I'm hoping for Lando to be, you know, well in the points. He, I think he has said before that he does like this track. Like you said, he was performing well last year until he... You know, DNF. What I will say about Daniel, though, is because of the the whole speculation over the summer break about his seat next year, I wonder how motivated he'll be feeling this weekend and for the rest of the year when he knows that his seat might not be there next year. Ever the professional, I think. I, I think he usually comes out of a, a break, kind of a repressed, rejuvenated yeah. person and 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 does has his better performances towards the latter part of the season. But do you think maybe this all this speculation might put pressure on him to perform even better? It might I mean, do. The, the Haas, uh, there's speculation that there's he's got a, a potential seat at the Haas team, which I could I could potentially see that. Yeah, um, I mean he'll it, have to he'll have to do well to impress the other teams as well because he wants to be able to yeah. secure a seat next season. But they, yeah, I, I I can absolutely see kind of Haas vying for him if you know 
you know, if Schumacher doesn't have the best end of his season. Have, have you heard any kind of speculations, Jack, about kind of seats and movements that you that you can share with with our audience? Nothing, nothing concrete. Everybody just likes to speculate, really. Even like, do, yeah. even like within F one, like having lunch today with, and I was like, oh well, he'll go here, he'll go there, he'll do that, he'll do this. Because I think that look it, back to Alpine, maybe for Ricardo is 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 sort of something that feels logical, mm. but also because you know especially if Alpine don't have a driver because everyone goes no I haven't got a contract with with you you know and uh, so, <laughs> so maybe that will be something that that fits quite well I think yeah I, I I'm interested in Emma's point about the sort of motivation because I I, I don't know which way it would go because I totally see why he would have not much motivation but then. Yeah, but does he need to prove himself to get a race seat for next year? I don't know if he does because it's the, the ship sailed, right? In terms of what you what you think Daniel Ricciardo can do. If you're another team, you've seen him underperform for a year and a half. You either decide, you know, you're at the point now where you're either deciding he's still really good, just Norris is mega and he'll mm. still do a job for our team. So let's sign him. Or you think that he's no good, was always overrated and you're not going to sign him. And I, I don't think a performance in the last 10 races will, will sort of change anyone's opinion on that because it's been such a long, if, if this was, if this was halfway through last season, which we sort of had with Monza last year, when he won, everyone was like, Oh, okay. Now he's back. And then he's back. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And then he wasn't back. It turned out, but because we've had 18 months of this level of Ricardo performance, I don't think that even if he has a, if he starts destroying Norris towards the end of the year, then maybe. But if he's just kind of close, then you're kind of like, well, this is where we knew he's been at for 18 months. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see what he does and how, you know, because it's all anyone's going to ask him about in yeah. Spa, isn't it? It was all anyone mm. was asking him about already, to be honest. But then after the, the Piastri nonsense, it's just going to be nonstop questions about it. And and I, it's it's so difficult for a driver to put that out of their mind i think yeah absolutely completely his, agree. his trainer has said recently in an interview that mclaren requires like a certain type of driving style and it doesn't really suit daniel so maybe if he were to go back to renault or alpine maybe you know that will suit him better because he was performing you know well at renault but he, dest- he destroyed ocon so yeah. there's no reason why you would think even though he's not done well the last couple of years but there's no reason to think if you put him back against Ocon, he wouldn't be quicker than Ocon again. So yeah. I think I think you're right. But would they take him? Would Alpine take him? Because after dropping them, they you might know, not have another they're, driver. They're, they're, they were a bit embarrassed though about the way he left them. So are they a bit too kind of you know burned on 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 the kind of Danny Rick side of things? I'm not sure. Well, that's a bit like Emma says. Who, who else they got? They've got no other choices. <laughs> and that, that was Cyril as Gass- well, Gassley. wasn't it? Gasly, yeah. is Gasly. He, he's not contract. Yeah, he's not contracted ne- next year, is he? So just imagine uh, a, a fully French team. I don't think he is contracted. Oh, I you're going like... to Google it. You're going to pr- prove me wrong now. I think it's Yuki that's not. He might just sign, doesn't he? Gasly was announced for 2023 just before it all kicked off. Yeah. Oh, but he's kicking himself. He should have held off a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, could have negotiated sure, uh, a, better, a better I'm, package. I'm sure for, uh, I saw something with Franz Toss says he'll be driving for us next year. Yeah, oh, apparently. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Fair enough so. then. Scrap that then. Yuki, okay, well, it... Yuki, however, I don't think has is signed for next year, but I think he's actually he's outperforming Pierre Gasly at the moment. So 
I, I think we'll see that signing soon, personally. That's not a good thing in that car, to be honest. I mean, that's not a nice car. <laughs> hey. Sorry, well, someone some... just went past my garage in a, with, with a very, very loud kind of 50cc moped. So I, I did quickly mute, but I think I missed it. Yeah, I'm not, I can't see Yuki not being there. I don't think there's anyone from the young Red Bull driver program that's ready to step in just yet. Do you have Liam Lawson in the car for free practice this weekend? I'll be back, I'll, I'll be yeah. back. hold on a few minutes. Oh, okay, bye Capes. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have, I think we should mention, because it's not in the notes, but I'm not 100% certain that Oscar might be in the Alpine this weekend, which is a bit of an awkward one. Yeah, I did see that. I saw a post on Facebook actually saying that, you know, uh, someone's back this weekend. So, well... They they do like the speculation over Alpine at the moment, and it's quite interesting to see. And I'm sure we'll all we'll all be mouth mouth open when we hear the actual news of someone else dropping in the seat that we didn't expect. Anyway, yeah. Do you want to speak? Um, sorry, we've got oh. Antonio Giovinazzi in the Haas as well, which I think was important to mention because Jack, you cover Formula E, and he's coming over from there. Are you excited to see him back in a Formula One car? Yeah, it'd be nice. He was he was, I thought he was solid enough in in F1. I think he was sort of a little bit. Not unfortunate to lose his seat in F1, but he did quite. I thought he did quite well against Raikkonen. Now, what what benchmark really was Raikkonen by the end of his career? I don't know. But but Giovinazzi, in particular, Zambort, I think was it Zambort last year. He did he did a really good qualifying, maybe inside the top ten for a couple of races in a row. He was all right, and then he really struggled to get up to speed a little bit in 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 Formula E. He had a strong end to the season with a front row of the grid qualifying in London. But the, he was with a, a, a not a great team. In fact, the team finished bottom of the points championship dragon. So it was mm. it was tough for him. But yeah, so I think he's doing he's doing a couple, isn't he, for for Haas FP1. So it'll be it'll be nice to see whether he's actually in the mix for a for a drive. I don't I don't really see it, but interesting because he's been at most of the Formula One races this year as mm. uh, as Ferrari's reserve. So it'll be good for him to get back out in an F1 car. It just shows that Ferrari really, really want an Italian driver. They're like, well, we're willing to give him these extra goes, you know, to, to kind of prove himself, put him in the car, which is, you know, it's it's only natural for a, an Italian team to want an Italian driver, isn't it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good to see him back on the grid. Are there any other teams that we want to talk about before we move on? I, I, we've talked about kind of the main contenders. Coops, is there anyone you want, to, you want to kind of mention? Are you expecting anything big from Williams or from who else, who else haven't we spoken about? Hey. Alfa Romeo, the big Alfa team. Alfa Romeo, yeah. Oh, oh, Valtteri yeah. Bottas, the, the the fastest lap owner, <laughs> owner of the fastest lap. Yeah, but they, they've got a Ferrari power unit, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it could go pop, or it could get them to the you know fastest lap again. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think they were talking about Haas when I came back, and just by the way, my my house alarm just decided to go off randomly. That's why I had to disappear because you could you could hear it over. There's a the random Tafosi outside throwing a brick yeah, through your window. Obviously, How dare yeah. you slate the Ferrari? <laughs> yeah, GR sent some negative vibes and never used the thing. And we had to go and punch the code in to turn it off. So I don't know what was going on. Uh, so sorry about that. Uh, so I, I caught the end of your conversation. I think it was Giovinazzi. Uh, yes. I was kind of... It's curious that Giovinazzi is going to do some FP2, FP1s when they haven't sorted out the Schumacher situation. So that's. Do you think it's? Do you think it's there to put pressure on Schumacher then? Saying, look, oh, we've we've got this extra driver that's uh, a potential for your seat. So you better buck oh, your the, ideas the, up. The sorry. minute that Alonso signed for Aston Martin, all the cards were in Hassi's hands because beforehand 
I think the from what I'd heard, the speculation was that Vettel put in Schumacher as the word for Aston Martin. Yeah, I couldn't see it myself. Yeah, I couldn't though. see it. Myself. I couldn't see it either. He, but, he can know. say it as much as he wants. They're still <laughs> going to look at the performance and go, mm, maybe not. Uh, 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 maybe not. You know. Uh, so the minute that got signed, I think I read a couple of articles that basically didn't just kind of stop having negotiations about his contract and thought, right, we're just going to leave that for now. So you know, and his performance, like Magnussen has destroyed him. He's not shown anything. He's he's written off two cars at Monaco and Saudi. They were pretty spectacular. Got a couple of points over the last few races. Yeah, he's, he's got points, but he needs to be better than what he's shown. And there's when you've got likes of Oscar Piastri without a seat to probably go into McLaren, Ricardo that looks like a free agent. You've got a couple other people in the wings that are decent. Mm. You know, has to think of longer term. Because yeah, but I was interested in Haas because both of them are going to have equal cars. I don't see Schumacher beating. Magnussen in that car. Well, we'd like to be proved wrong, but uh, 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 I think the biggest thing for me is Ricardo. Uh, I know we've kind of mentioned him already, just from my side of it. It's in, I'll just be interested to see how he's going to go on. He always looks like he's kind of laughable and affable, even, and doesn't nothing seems to affect him, and he just gets on with it. But you know, when it's all everything seems to be played out on. In social media and in the papers, that he's going and he's getting punted and he's asked for twenty-one million or whatever it is he's asked for. That's quite playing his mind, isn't it? And when he's in a car that he can't quite get the best out of and isn't able to get with it, and then you've got Norris. You know, Norris finishes fifth. He's fourteenth. You know, mm-hmm. and his last race of the year was in Hungary. And it was a, it was before the break. Sorry, and it was. It was awful. It was probably one of his worst performances. And that's the weird thing with Ricardo, because sometimes he's there or thereabouts. Was it Baku? I think he was. He it looked like okay. He was there with Norris. Yeah. Yep. Not not. I think did he finish ahead in the end? There was some team order stuff at the end because they were right together, different strategies. And then, like you say, Hungary just was were awful. Dropped uh, off the face of the planet again. Yeah. Did fourteenth or something. But you've got mm. Norris in the same tires at the end got them to work. So for me. You know, Formula One is a weird sport because drivers, unless they do what Rosberg did and retire, who was quite happy to go on one championship. He's won it once. I'm happy. I'm out. I think it came out afterwards. He didn't like who he became to win the title. I think that's similar to what Hakkinen said. He just didn't like what he had to do to win it. Hmm. But generally speaking, Formula One retires drivers because Formula One moves away from that person. You know, arguably... You could say that about Vettel. He won it. It was in the best car at the best time. It suited his drive. He won four championships. As things moved away from what he liked, he wasn't really there anymore. Unfortunately, he sat with Ferrari. And, you know, they have issues of their own. That, to be honest, I think that's the issue with Ricardo. These cars aren't suited to his style. Mm. Ferrari, not Ferrari, Formula One, in a sense, is retiring Ricardo because he just can't adapt. And I think that's the biggest thing of why Hamilton is probably the greatest driver in Formula One over the years because Ferrari, uh, Formula One moves, he goes with it, and he's at the point where he, and he stays up the top or mm. there or thereabouts. And it's a hard thing to do. And I just don't think, you know, Ricardo's got that. And I think, uh, for me, I think he's damaged goods now. I don't see many teams wanting to take a punt on him because. 
Oh, I don't think I think he'll be on the grid next year, personally. But we'll see. We will see. Right, I, I, we don't need to go over every team then, because uh, nope. we'll be here all night. What we'll do is we'll do a prediction from each of you, because we like to do it. I know you probably don't want to do it, but we, and we'll see how well you do next week. And kind of laugh at you if you've got it completely wrong, or you know, praise you if you get it all right. So we'll, I'm I'm going to let Jack have a think, and I'm going to go to Emma first, ladies first. Just give us a podium. Who's going to be your podium for the weekend? Max, Leclerc, Lewis. That's that's pretty, that's a quite safe. Three, three different ones, yeah. That's quite safe though, isn't it? Yeah, I think, it I think is, that's definitely. Quite, 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 a good, quite a good call. Uh, Max, top three. Max, P, Sergio and George. Max, Sergio and George. Okay. Mm. And, okay, I'm going to say Max. I'll say, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Mercedes. I'm going to say Max, and then a double Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton second and George third. Okay, Jack. I'm doing it. Leclerc win, Russell second, Hamilton third. There we go. Why not? Wow. So uh, it's got to be a DNF from Max. Yeah, DNF from Max. The championship's blown wide open. <laughs> and Formula One's great again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I hope this happens. <laughs> not, not, I dis- not because I dislike Max. But because I want to see the close yeah. championships, again. I don't. I don't truly believe that. But no, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know. But you're just putting your name to it, and we'll blast yeah. that all over socials and say Jack Nichols here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay. Well, that's that's going to be that's that's our spa preview. Anyway, I hope you all enjoy the the race this weekend. We certainly are looking forward to it ourselves. We hope you are too. Are there any news articles that you want to talk talk about before we speak to Jack about his career so far? Because there's, uh, there's been a couple of things that have dropped today, Formula E based actually. That Jack yeah, there's a Formula E stuff. Yeah. So, Rennie Rast has signed up for McLaren. Uh, I can't. Is it NATO? NATO has signed now full time for Nissan. They've completely redone their lineup. And an interesting tweet or comment: Jack Hughes has pulled out of Formula Two to concentrate his Formula E stuff now. Oh my yeah. god! I didn't. I didn't see that honestly about yeah. Jake. Yeah. So, what do you think about those those movements then, Jack? I think that Rene Rass is a, is an interesting signing for for McLaren. I think it's I think it's based on I can't remember. They, Mercedes basically did some data studying from from last year, or, or someone in Mercedes has, and, and kind of come to the conclusion because Mercedes are becoming McLaren, and it's pretty mm. much the same team behind the scenes. Right. And they came to the analysis that Rene Rast was sort of one of the best Formula E drivers last last season based on qualifyings or race performances or I can't I, I don't know exactly what the criteria were but yeah they think he was great and he he is a very quick driver was was has always been really impressive in everything he's done and actually when he joined Formula E last season alongside Lucas Degrassi mm. it was it, it was he was really impressive and I, th- I think beat Degrassi over the course of the season and you weren't sure because he's quite, he's not like super old, but I think he must be 34 now or something or 35. Mm. So, and quite often when an older driver comes into FE, they struggle to adapt, but Rene did a great job. He's a real hard worker and thinker and diligent uh, driver, a real sort of classic without wanting to be too lazy about it, like a classic sort of German logical approach to, to things. So I think, I think it'll be a really good asset for, for McLaren. I think there are other seats up in the air a little bit, depending on, you know, there's all that chat about Rosenquist and IndyCar and does he leave IndyCar and come back to McLaren? And then it turns out he doesn't actually have a contract in IndyCar, even though they said he did earlier in the year. And so there's all a bit of nonsense going on there. Norman Natto 
actually was impressive because he filled in for Sam Bird in the last race in Seoul and did a mm. really good job actually for Jaguar. I, I actually I was really impressed with with Nato. So him at Nissan with Sasha Fenestras is going to be yeah, the, the I was duo there. Going to say that was the second driver just that was just announced as well. I don't know much about him to be honest. No, he's a he's he's a he's a young Frenchman basically. He did, <laughs> he's done a bit of junior single seater stuff and and seems all right i think he won formula renault euro cup two liter in 20 i want to say 16 or something like something like that i think so yeah he's he seems all right and i can't remember what the other one other bit of news you said was but oh yeah the jake mm. hughes thing yeah that was, yeah. That was interesting i, I, I hadn't he, heard that he, about an hour ago maybe a couple of hours now he stuck it on instagram to say due to his commitments and focus on formula e he's withdrawn from formula two and thanks the team for giving him a drive and you know yeah. catch you later which is wow. a bit interesting because he was because he's he's basically he's mercedes reserve driver so whether that means he's going with them to mclaren or whether he's got a well another I seat did, i don't know yeah i did say that to, to sophia actually said i wonder if he's got a drive like and they're wanting to do you know i don't know what the testing situation is or maybe they're giving them more because of the gen 3 and he's not able to you know, commitments within Formula E clash with the last few races or whatever. I don't know. It must be. It does seem weird of a young driver pulling out of Formula 2 to in the off-season of another series. You know, it does. It seems a bit... I think Jake's probably... He's a smart kid and he's a quick kid. And I think he's probably... Probably realises he maybe doesn't have a Formula 1 opportunity coming, you know? And so, mm. you know, you can keep pounding around in f2 or you want but if you if you realize that actually there isn't a formula one opportunity and and i think you you could be right coops with the gen 3 stuff maybe there's some testing that mclaren want him to do in november the week of the abu dhabi f2 races or or something like that it, it could well be something along those lines just ask a, a quick oh. question regarding formula e yeah I just wanted to know Jack's opinion on where he sees the two Mercedes boys next year, because I've said that I think Nick might have Nicholas Latifi's seat at Williams, and I'm a bit unsure where Stoppel will go. Obviously, they just he's just won the championship, and the team's just won the championship, so he has quite a lot of prospects. Yeah, I think they've both, basically, they're both, there's, the, for, the, the Formula E driver market's a bit mad at the moment, because mm. I think there's only, I could be wrong here, but I think it's only Jaguar, with Sam Bird and Mitch Evans that will have the same two drivers for next season. And there's mm. so many other driver moves going on. And it's been a it's a it's been a weird season in Formula E because there's been a lot of really well-known driver secrets, right? In terms of where they're going, not like personal stuff. There's a few of those, but anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, but but you know, like Lucas Degrassi going to Mahindra. Oh god, the in in the paddock, that was known for I don't know, six months or something like that. Oh, wow. But, oh. So that was not new information at all, but Mahindra didn't mm. want to announce it and Venturi didn't want to announce it. So they don't announce it. And I think that, I think Stoffel and Nick both have, they basically both have a seat in Formula E for next year if that is where they end up going. Do you see what I mean? So mm. yeah. I, I, I think the plan is for Stoffel to to move to sort of one of the new Formula E kind of incarnations of, you know, blended teams that are moving around. But that sort of deal hasn't quite been signed yet with the team joining. So that means that the drivers maybe can't be announced as joining yet. And I think 
Nick is the same in that he's 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 going to to a sort of another new sort of entrant almost. So that's kind of not been announced. And then I think uh, and I think he's also trying to do a world endurance championship program. And there's some tough clashes at the moment next year for world endurance because I think the Formula E races in Jakarta clash with the Le Mans test day currently. So I think there's a lot of or a bit of reluctance from drivers to fully kind of commit until they see what's happening with those and can they miss those races or can they miss them on test day or can they? So it's, it's a really mad driver season, but the, uh, De Vries and uh, De Vries and Van Dorn will both be fine. I don't think I see De Vries going to, to Williams. I don't, I don't, I don't quite see that working out. I, don't, I, don't, I think, I think, I think there are probably better options for Williams. Yeah. I think they're both, they'll both be fine. You know what I mean? I think they've both got stuff sorted, but they just can't kind of say it or announce it. And it's just been such a weird season on that front. Mm. Okay. There, there, there are a lot, because I found a website that kind of listed the teams, and there are a lot of teams that haven't announced anything. I mean, today, McLaren announced one. Maserati or the old Venturi, they haven't got anything. Tichita, which is the team I actually wanted to ask you about, Jack, because they don't even have a powertrain, and there's a lot of, yeah, issues around them behind the scenes. Are they actually going to be there? And, and, this is, and you're exactly you're hitting on exactly the, the point. Tachita don't have a powertrain for next year. They don't. They don't really necessarily have a, a team for next year yet. The Costa's sorted. He's he's joining another team again. With all of these things, I can't remember what's been announced and what hasn't been, and what I'm allowed to know and what I'm allowed to say. So I'm being really vague. Uh, one so of the, we could get, we could get an exclusive here on the podcast. Hmm. Okay, well, let's let's focus on Jack now for, for some time. Jack, was it always motorsport that you wanted to be a commentator in? Was it always, were you always destined to kind of work within motorsport as a commentator? Destined is probably a bit of a strong phrase, but I when I was when I was like six years old, seven years old, I wanted to be a Formula One commentator. I would play with my toys and like toy cars and commentate on them and you know, it, 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 and then you and then you stop wanting to be a Formula One commentator because you know, at GCSE there there isn't that option really, and suddenly you have to <laughs> do other stuff. And and then so I did my A levels, and basically when I I screwed up my A levels and I had to do a, a gap year and retake some exams, and I was working on the checkouts at Sainsbury's, and I got involved in esports racing. Mm. And then I got involved in esports commentating because these races were being broadcast on the internet. So I thought, oh, well, I could do some commentating then. I've always wanted to do that. You know, that sounds fun. Yeah. So I did that. And at the same time, I started doing some real life commentating on like the, because I was marshalling, I, you know, full dressed up in orange and waving flags at, at Snetterton. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's your answer is, was it always motorsport then? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> liked it a lot. But when I was marshalling, I'd be standing there getting absolutely drenched on the straight. And you're doing it voluntary and, you know, and it's, and it's, and I really enjoyed it, but then I could hear the commentators over like the public address system. And it was like, Oh, well, I, well, I'd love to give that a go. So I started doing some of that and it turned out you got paid for doing that. Like not much, but it wasn't voluntary. Like you got a hundred quid <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is, this is phenomenal. So mm. I just, and then I went, did my retakes, went to university. And while I was at uni every weekend, I was just at a, at a racetrack somewhere doing some commentary. And then luckily things, you know, one thing led to another, then you got this job, then this job, then this job. And so then when I left uni, 
in 2012, I was just a commentator and that's just been my job really. It's very lucky and fortunate. Yeah, and a very recognisable voice, especially if you're watching, obviously, FE. I, I don't listen to Radio 5 Live. I have to apologise because I'm usually watching the Sky Sports coverage. Yeah, but you just mute it. Everyone everyone <laughs> just, everyone knows. You mute you mute the telly and turn on 5 Live. Everyone knows, but fine. Yeah, we should do. We should do. And perhaps that's what I'll do this the, this weekend, just to, yeah. to to hear your commentary. But as I say, I definitely hear your, your commentary on the, the Formula E. Which do you prefer commentating on, or, 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 or is it easier to commentate on Formula One because it's such a, you know, massive sport and all the names are so huge. Whereas obviously you've got maybe some smaller names in, in Formula E and whatnot. They're, they're, they're really so, they're, they're different on two levels. They're different because they are, like you say, one's huge and one's smaller. And then they're also different because one's radio and one's TV. So they're completely different things to to commentate on. and Because when you commentate on the radio, you have to, you're, you're telling people who can't see what's happening what's mm. happening you're kind of telling them what's going on and that's a really important thing so that's and i find that really difficult actually and and a real challenge and a lot of fun whereas on tv you're watching it with the audience mm. so radio you're watching it for the audience on tv you're watching it with the audience so you can be a bit more it's just a bit more sort of yeah it's less descriptive and more like explaining why something's happening rather than explaining literally what is happening i love doing formula e because it's the paddock's so open and friendly and if i you know if let's say i want to speak to stoffel after free practice or something i walk into the mercedes garage and open the knock on the door of the driver room and go in and speak to stoffel you know and like that <laughs> and that that's that's how you get to speak to them yeah as in f1 obviously i've never tried walking into the Mercedes garage and knocking on Hamilton's door, but I, but I don't think it would go well. So the, no. those kind of differences are, 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 so it makes Formula E a lot of fun to work in and very rewarding, but Formula One's the thing I grew up loving as a kid. Of course. So, so as much as I love Formula E and, and it's been a, a real amazing journey doing it, Formula One is the, is the, is the, the, the thing you live for really, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the pinnacle. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you, as a five live presenter, actually go to all the races, or or do you record and do do your you know speech from a studio in London somewhere? It's about half and half now. It when I first started doing it in 2016, we went to we went to all the races, but the you know the the BBC license fee freeze and you know all of that stuff has been fairly well documented. So 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 budgets don't. Mm -hmm. budgets haven't really gone up much and then f1 had more races so in the end we 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 don't quite have the the budget to to go to the mall so we do about half and half we well actually we usually have a jenny gao i think we have someone on site right most so sometimes we just send jenny gao and mm -hmm. and the commentary team stays in london but we went out to miami this year and monaco and bahrain silverstone we're going to zamvor in a couple of weeks so you know we we go to a decent chunk of them what's your what's your favorite track to kind of go to as a kind of a spectator i guess and as a fan i love i love monza i used to go to monza loads when i was a kid we did spa so my dad and i my dad and i would go to f1 races basically so we did spa in 2007 because that's sort of the famously easy one you know you drive there and you yeah. and you camp and all of that kind of stuff so that was that was fun 
That was cool. 2008, we did Valencia because it meant that my, you know, we could do like a family holiday there because it was in the city and I love city circuits. Mm. And then 2009, I did Monza and I just, I mean, I love Italy just as a, as a, as a concept personally, right? I love it. And Monza, just the, the track is, the track is one of probably my favorite just to go to because of the atmosphere and the history and the, and Italy and you stay in Milan and just get the train up every morning with all the Tifosi and, and walk through the Royal park to the track. And I just used to love going to Monza and I still love going to Monza, but it's different when you're, when you're working, but, but, but as a fan, it was just fantastic. I think one of my, one of my favorites to go to for sure. Right. I don't want to hog Jack all to myself. Let's get some questions from the other team members. We'll go to Emma first. Well, you just said that you've been interested in Formula One since you were seven. Did you ever consider getting in the seat? No, because who I, people you get I get asked that quite a bit. Oh, did you used to be a driver? And it just never it, it never it just never crossed my mind because you don't because when you're because you, you you never get to drive as a child. And this is what I find <laughs> really interesting in terms of and okay, there's a few things tied up in this ramble that I'm about to do, but <laughs> it's kind of tied up a little bit in in female racing drivers. It's tied up a little bit in in the sort of financial aspect needed for motor racing and you I, I would say every in the uk every single young boy by the time they are 10 every single one knows if they're good at football or not because they will have played it in some way shape or form mm. whether it's at school whether it's in the park whether it, they will have co- some concept of whether they are incredible fine rubbish every single one how much as as a percentage of the population have any idea whether they're good at racing car like one percent maybe mm. i mean i did a bit of go-karting you know at the local go-karting place where you paid 15 quid for 15 minutes and you razz around a bit and then you go that was fun and, and that was it there's no there's no further thought from that and you know you you know i remember being you know we used to do that once a month because my parents could afford once a month that you know, approximately, yeah, okay, we can, we can go and do this. And so the, 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 the barriers to getting into motorsport were so high that I never even, never even crossed my mind. I don't think I would have been very good. I, you know, I would love to be now conceptually, I would love to be a race driver, but as a kid, I never, it just never, it never seemed like a thing that you do, but when you played football with kids, you'd be like, Oh, he's been scouted by this Academy or he's going to do this or, Oh, the best footballer he's going to hear. But there was just none of that existed. So never crossed my mind to be a, to be a to be a driver and I, yeah i just wanted to shout about it instead <laughs> <laughs> so did it come naturally to speak about it then have you always been just a, a, a good speaker well, the jury's out as whether whether i am one yet but <laughs> well, you i've are, always you are. uh you I've are. Always, no yeah i've always been jibber jabbering always been a jibber jabber <laughs> yeah okay you got a question for jack yeah i just want to ask how privileged it must be to to share your commentary box with a fellow Scott when you do the Formula E. I mean, how, how privileged is that? I mean, one of the best countries in the world and Dario <laughs> alongside you. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have had two, actually, because my first year doing F1, my first few years doing F1, I had Alan McNish alongside me for oh, yeah. for yeah. quite a lot. And he did, he did a lot of five, because like, he, he, he would be on the BBC TV coverage and then he would come to the Five Live booth to do the commentary. So... McNish is a lovely, lovely Scotsman. Dario is a lovely, lovely Scotsman. They're both very friendly, nice 
people and they their relationship is very funny they just give each other don't know if i'm allowed to swear on this podcast they give it they, they give each other stuff all the time and uh, <laughs> that, that's a very scottish thing and you meet another exactly. scotsman and you just spend a lot of time just ripping into each other and, and it's um, all done in the nicest exactly. possible way and mcnish is a lowlander which is apparently a bad thing or something i don't know but <laughs> that's you know that's all the, that's all the banter so no it's, it's a real honor to to share the booth with with two scots in the past I, try, I don't know are they the only two Scotsmen I've commentated with the night, uh, or is there an, I, I might have another random one somewhere but I don't think so no, I we do have a tendency to creep up on you you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know while, while we're hunting haggis or something you know we do any you know catch up well, yeah, let's, let, let's expand on that then how about um, let's not just kind of just keep it to a kind of a very small country up at the top of the UK let's how about how about how about the world you know who who have you commentated with in terms of a, maybe one of your icons? Have you ever been able to commentate with one of your icons? And who would you like to commentate with in the future? Nice. I remember being absolutely... So it, I was in my second year of uni, I think. Was I just starting my final? I was just starting my final year. And I got a, and I got an email saying, will you come and do the FIA GT1 World Championship in, in Ordos in China? Kind of wow. out of nowhere. Like my my first TV commentary had been earlier that year on the old Formula Two championship. Mm. And suddenly I was asked to do this and, and it was like your co-commentator will be John Watson. You're like, wow. what? Like <laughs> actual John what? So, <laughs> so that was that was so daunting because you know, growing up watching Wattie commentate on in particular British touring cars in the in mm-hmm. the late nineties with with Charlie Cox. And then obviously on YouTube I'd seen some bits of Ben Edwards and Wattie doing Eurosport stuff in the mid nineties. So that was just a real that was a real thrill. That was so what's that eleven years ago now. And and Wattie and I are really good friends. So I, I really I I'm really you know he's quite old and I'm not as old. So <laughs> you know we have that sort of granddad grandson vibe in fact could he be my granddad how old is he he's seven he must be 75 or something now so what's that uh, yeah i don't think he could quite he, he can't quite pull off granddad but he's, uh, <laughs> he's not too far away and that was so that's been a real 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 privilege it's been a lot of fun working with dario and and mcnish i really love working with jolie and palmer you know not necessarily one of my sporting heroes no but, but <laughs> like a, a, a tremendous broadcaster and, and he got he got a, he did get a bad rap in his in his second year of f1 but i think he's a, a tremendous broadcaster and he was actually my first co-commentator in, in 2011 when i was doing formula two he was right. doing gp2 and did a few co-commentary races with me so i've known him for for quite a long time so that's a pleasure and the, the really random one was oh my goodness i can't remember his name now well the point was apparently this guy's a, and i'd kind of vaguely heard of him and then did a commentary with him at Goodwood and everyone, and I posted a picture saying everyone was losing their minds. Oh, that was it. Jeff Gordon. Is that the NASCAR man? NASCAR, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was aware of him as a NASCAR driver, right? And uh, Jeff Gordon, oh yeah, he does NASCAR. Oh yeah, okay, fine, fine, fine. And so he came in, hi, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I've never really kept up with NASCAR ever. No. It turns out this guy is like an absolute legend, <laughs> like a, like an utter legend of the sport. And people go nuts mm-hmm. for him. And I just did this commentary on this old, on these old cars at Goodwood. And he was phenomenal and, and a lovely man and a great co-coms, but I didn't really realize how important. I think it was afterwards, Karun Chandok came running up to me going, did you just commentate with, with Gordon? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh my God. Oh my. And it's like, Karun, 
Cut for, Who like, is he? Karun, calm down <laughs> is is something that needs to be said more often than it is. But yeah, he was he was losing his mind, and I really didn't realize how big a deal Jeff Gordon was. So I I apologize un- unreservedly to Jeff if he's listening. He probably doesn't even remember it. I'm now just googling that it is Jeff Gordon is who I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's who I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, okay, and who would you like to oh, yeah. with? Maybe this is a. Le- no one's ever asked me this before. So fair play, Tiller. I think. I think it's a bit of a boring one, but I think, I think Lewis, I think Lewis wow. would be a phenomenal co-commentator. I think he'd be, I think he'd be phenomenal and so insightful. And so like whether he'll ever do it or not, I honestly, I doubt it, but I think I would have mm-hmm. to say, I would have to say Hamilton. I've never really thought about it before, but, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think he'd be tremendous. I was searching on Twitter. I don't know. Do you still have social media or, or not? No, I came off. I came off both a, a month or two ago because I realized I was just, on my phone scrolling just yeah. the whole time and then and like the, and then not get and I never really tweet I never really post yeah, yeah. anyway because I always go to post and then I'm like well that's, that's boring I'm not going to post that <laughs> and, and then if I did post something it would get like three likes and you'd be like well what well, obviously no one cares what I've got to so then I'm just wasting my life scrolling and I think I'm doing it for news you know I think I'm oh mm. I know I've got to keep abreast of the of the information <laughs> but you don't you know what I mean? Yeah. You just you just go on the websites and if you, if you want to learn the news. And I look, I'll be honest, I did not know Rene Rast had been announced until we started doing this podcast. And you said Rene Rast had been announced at McLaren. I had no idea because I'm not on the socials. So that was sort of a bit of an oversight. But also then you find out that he is and then you read it and then you go, OK, like, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. that that sort of obsession over the instantness of news when it's, you know, motorsport related. I got I, I got a bit tired of it really i suppose like when it's like serious world stuff then yeah you know if something serious is going on in the in the world like you know ukraine or something like that then yeah you want to be up to speed and up to date on on what's going on out of interest but i don't need to be up to the minute knowing who's been announced for who or or or, you know all the engine the new engine regulations got announced five minutes ago here's my hot take on it you know like I, it's just I, it's not really not for you my vibe yeah. yeah that's fair enough but when i did search your name obviously it came up with a load of tweets you know about you and there is a lot of love and appreciation on twitter <laughs> for you and your commentary you know that you're very clear and that you do include all the information because some commentators you know look past things and they're just concentrating on the front of the grid and i know it's hard with formula e especially because there's always a lot going on in Formula E. Yeah. Sometimes there is a slow race in Formula One where it's one car after the other. But Formula E is a bit nuts sometimes. And yeah, I just thought I'd let you know that. Then. Oh, thank you. No, I, I. Well, I was. I was always one of the. I, I. You know, I was a. I was a. I was a forum basher. You know, when forums were a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on. I was on the forums going, well, this person's rubbish. This person's rubbish. Why don't they talk about this? Why don't they talk about that? So you know, I come from that viewpoint of oh. Well, Crikey, now that's me. So I better do all the things that I used to hate other people for not doing. Again. So, you know, <laughs> I, I come, I could, I definitely come from that nerdy motorsport background, you know, whereas, and, and, and it's fine if people don't. And I think it's really important that there are people within uh, all broadcast teams. So like the, you know, the, the head of the head of Formula E TV is, is fairly new to motorsport and she used to do a lot of cricket. And I think that's really mm-hmm. important to bring in that kind of fresh eyes and, and then, It'll be like, well, why do we do this? And you're like, oh, don't know. Just <laughs> always, always have in motorsport. So that's why we do it. And, you know, a good example is 
and this wasn't one of hers, but this is a sort of Formula E kind of thing is the grid is always done, you know, first on the grid is this guy, second on the grid is this guy, third is this guy, fourth is, you know, and we go in that order. And then we sort of had this thing in Formula E where we were like, well, why? That feels like it's the wrong way round to go. You want to finish the grid with like, this guy is on pole. This is yeah. the front of the grid. Let's go. So that's why we, you know, the Formula E grids go backwards and then we have the sort of camera going, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, all the way. And so we finish at pole position. And it's that kind of uh, thinking outside of the box sort of stuff that we try and do a lot in, in Formula E in, in particular, because you, so bringing, so that, so yeah, so I uh, bringing sort of fresh pairs of eyes and people who aren't motorsport nerds mixed with my motorsport nerdiness where I'm like, oh no, the grid has always been done from first to last. <laughs> and then some, then you realize you're, you're wrong sometimes. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting mix on that front. So yeah, I try to be clear and give the people what they want to know or what they need to know. And you have to remember that only, only my mum is watching Formula E because I do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like only my mum. Everybody else is watching it because they want to enjoy the motor race and I, and I want to enjoy it with them. Would you say this year was a good year to commentate on Formula E? specifically or were the previous seasons where you thought actually this was the best season i've ever commentated on this was the best season i've ever commentated on on formula e. i thought every race was really good the last mm. the last to be honest the last two in seoul were, were weirdly quiet and whether that was a nature of where attack mode was or or, or the sort of championship winding down I, I don't really know but in terms of races throughout the year i thought it was really nice racing there wasn't a lot of carnage and it was in the early days of Formula E carnage, it was fun, but I think for the championship to, you know, move on and sort of become a serious world championship, I think it's, I think it needed to kind of move away from that. And I think the new qualifying format did that a lot. And most of the races, you would have the, the front runners in the chat, you would have Stoffel fighting with Mitch, fighting with Mortara, fighting, you know, it would be those front runners at the, at the front the whole time. And I think that's what you need to get people interested in the, in the, in the story and backing teams and, and that sort of thing. So it made the story a lot clearer over the course of the season. A shame we didn't, it didn't go right down to the wire because that would have been tremendous, but mm. it was, I thought it was a really, really good season. Coops, question for Jeff. Yeah, there's, speaking about Formula E, there was a very controversial incident with everybody. I thought, was it Spain last year when everybody ran out of power before the yeah. end of the race? As a commentator, did you see it coming and think, uh-oh, how did you process that and then kind of try to kind of figure it out and try and like because it did well because i watched it and it became that it was almost like formula e's version of formula one to abu dhabi like it was a bit yeah. of a laughing stock and it was like how do you how do you as a commentator deal with that and then how do you try and talk about it i think that that noise you made that uh-oh <laughs> is exactly what went on in my head. Like when, uh, when I, I, I realized it when they came across the line and I, and I'm, I, I, and it's one of those where your brain is fighting your brain. Cause I was, I suddenly thought none of them are going to make it to the end of the race. And then I thought, well, that, but that, but that can't be true because yeah. these are like the engineers won't have done that. You know, this won't be something that's happening. So it was almost like a, it was almost like an anxiety dream. You know, where you're like this car, you know, where you, you've, you've turned up to do gym class and you're naked and you're like, well, no, this, <laughs> this can't be what is, this can't, this just can't be the case. This just can't be the case. But it was the case. And the difficulty was Abu Dhabi 
last year on the BBC, you know, I don't know, million and a half listeners or something for, for a race like that. And I can say this is a mess because it was a mess at the end, yeah. whether it was right or wrong or, or, or whatever, you know, don't need to necessarily get bogged down in, in that, but it was so messy the end of that race. Yeah. And I could say, this is a mess. This is a nonsense. You know, well, what? this doesn't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Formula E, I am also employed by Formula E. Like they hire me to commentate on the races. Can't really be slagging it off much, you know, when, you, <laughs> when you're in that scenario. So you can't be like, oh, this is, and to be clear, I don't think it was a, I think it was a, it was an unfortunate, it was, look, it was a very unfortunate incident and a very awkward scenario, but you're right. You're just like, well, how am I going to explain this in a way that doesn't just make Formula E look bad, but also without being really clear what had actually happened? You know what I mean? Because at yeah. that point we, we, it was, it wasn't clear until after, and you'd spoken to people why that had occurred. And especially because Mercedes got it right. So I was able to be like, well, Mercedes, all the other teams have got it wrong. Mercedes have got it right. So at least there was that narrative in that it wasn't a sort of Formula E problem. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it was the teams have got this wrong. I think I said it's yeah. a disaster for the teams rather than just it's a disaster. You know, it's like, no, this is a disaster for the teams who have got it wrong. So I tried to be sort of clear on that front, but that was a tough one. And I, and I, yeah, that, that, yeah, it, it, it was a tough one because it's not, a, it's not a good look. And it's weird because you, so much of Formula E is built around that sort of jeopardy of, are oh, they going to run out of energy and who's got enough energy and who's going to keep their energy and then use their energy at the end. And so actually, if you, if you're building a championship based on, will they run out of energy? That's the scary part. That's mm. the jeopardy. Then I guess sometimes they're gonna, <laughs> because if they didn't ever run out of energy, then it wouldn't be jeopardy. So it's a, it's a, mm. it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a tricky afternoon. That was coops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it, be as you say with the jeopardy, you've had drivers coming around the last corner or two and run out of energy, and you know there's you shout, he's he's got no energy, and then it's zero point zero, and yeah, then yeah. there's cars passing, and that as you say, that's the good part. But when you see like ninety percent of the field just <laughs> yeah. stopping, and you're like, oh, not ideal. Yeah, and even <laughs> when we were having conversations during the year, and I mentioned it to James, like, oh, last year, you know, ninety percent of the field in Formula E ran out of energy, and then they didn't cross light, and even. James, who has only started for it this year, is like, wow, you know, it was, it was that. Uh, and they all had, and they all had loads of energy. So trying to explain that was tough as well. They still had like forty percent in their batteries, but we just weren't letting them use that energy. So they didn't run out of battery. They just ran out of battery that they were allowed to use sportingly. But they could have gone on for another half an hour. So it was a very complicated one. So with it, but you know, they changed the rules. And, yeah, and that's yeah. sort of gone, you know, we now have the added time instead and, and it, and it seemed to, it seems to work quite well. So, yeah. you know, we learn and we move forward. What is your take on the new Gen 3? Because the car got mixed reviews, but I'm quite excited by it with the, the, um, out, the power and the speed. and The stats look good for it. Yeah. You know, all, all the things that they're, they're trying to bring in, they all make sense, don't they? You know, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially because earlier with all the, you know, we spoke about all the driver changes, new teams, new entrants. There's a lot for everybody to get their head around. So I think we're in for a real mixed up season. And there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of teams getting on on top of the new car because it is really quite powerful. I was speaking to, I can't remember who it was. I was speaking to one of the drivers in, in at some point. It's not a great anecdote, this. But I was speaking to some <laughs> driver at some point. And, and they were like, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, 
beast to be honest so i think that's gonna be interesting the sort of the 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 pit stops for charging and that sort of thing you know however they end up playing out is going to be a really interesting sort of strategical point Mm. i think it's going to take a a good few races for things to kind of shuffle out i i suppose on on that front and i think it's important that formula keeps you know they've got to part of me thinks another season with the gen two car would be would be great because we had a really nice year and everyone's kind of getting into the flow and another season with this car would be cool because i really like this car i think it mm. looks really cool i think it i think I, I i really really like it but you know got to keep if it were up to me i wouldn't change anything we'd still we, uh, we'd f1 cars would still be like they were in the mid 90s you know so i'm <laughs> i'm not exactly a a progressive gentleman in terms of how I like my cars. So but I think a lot of people will be with you on that to be fair as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so <laughs> so hopefully the Gen 3 will be will be will be cool. New tire manufacturer as well with Hankook. So there's there's just so much new stuff that it's going to be interesting. How it's going to work, I've got no idea, but hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Well, let's move back to Formula One because obviously we are a Formula One podcast. Who do you expect to win the season? Who do you expect to kind of to, to surprise for the rest of the year? Any anyone in particular? Verstappen's going to win the win the championship, isn't he? Unless something goes nuts, it would have to go pretty nuts, wouldn't it? I just hope that Ferrari can just do a bit of something in the second half of the year. Just do just do a bit, do win some races well, mm. and and give us all some hope that it's worth tuning in for next season because that's that's what we need if if you know if if ferrari can finish this season strongly then i think that'll give us a lot of hope going into into next year and hopefully we just get some good races because to be honest the races this year there have been so many good ones i can't really re- there have been some dull ones but i'm i'm trying yeah. to remember what they what they were to be honest but even even the dull ones have had something to speak about haven't they yeah you know, exactly you- i mean maybe it was baku a bit was Baku a bit dull? I can't. Mm. I can't really remember. But there's, you know, there's there's only been a handful of races this year that haven't been great, and it was the same last year as well. And Formula One's in such a good position because I I started commentating. My first race was 2014, commentating Chinese Grand Prix 2014, and I did that until until 2020. So yeah, so so seven years of just really boring F1. Like really, like it's like I do love this. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a hundred percent sure why, but I do love this sport. And you had a few Ferrari flashes with with Vettel, you know, until he crashed out in Hockenheim and all that stuff. But mm. the last two years have been like really, really top quality motorsport, and I've absolutely loved the last year and a half. And even though there's that frustration that Ferrari are messing it up, the racing is still mm. good and entertaining and 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 interesting. And even though you think Verstappen's going to win every race. You're still not 100% sure, whereas, you know, you had the, the Hamilton years where you knew it would be Hamilton. You knew yeah. Hamilton would win. There was no there was no question about it. So, yeah, really enjoyed the last year and a half. Yeah, we've been spoiled as uh, F1 fans and, 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 and all these new, you know, watchers that have come in thanks to the likes of Drive to Survive, they've been spoiled as well because they haven't, ha- they haven't had a poor year yet, actually, which is it's great, it's great to be a part of. Do you ever get confused between the two series when you're doing both Formula E and Formula One? Not not like in an old man way, but in a there are times I call it a I call it a full course yellow instead of a virtual safety car or a, or mm. a, or or the other way around or they're going to deploy the virtual safety car and it's a full course yellow. So mm. that's that's the main thing I get wrong. Yeah, I think that's about it. There are there are there are times like I I it's not very and I've never done it on commentary. But sometimes doing some little interview or something or something, I'll accidentally call Formula E Formula One. 
I've, I've done that. Oh, actually, no, I did it. I did it on Five Live. I said, "Welcome to the FIA Formula E World Championships at a Formula One World Championship." I did it on Five, but it like a free practice session. No one's no one's listening there anyway. But yeah, so I don't, I don't get I don't get too I don't get too confused. The most confused I used to get was when I used to do powerboat commentary, and I used to call them cars all the time. It was pretty <laughs> be like what what. And I remember saying to Ben Edwards once. He was like, oh, you've been doing powerboat commentary. And Ben Edwards is the most professional, lovely man in the history of the world. Yeah. And he goes, you've been doing powerboat commentary. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, how'd you find it? I, you know, I did a bit back in the day. I was like, oh yeah, well, did you used to call them cars accidentally? And he was like, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Never I also, exactly. I also had that actually with Ben when, when I first started doing GTs, I sort of took his job when he went to BBC F1. I kind of, you know, filled in for him. Mm. And they used the editors used to play a game, oh, how many takes will it take Jack to do this voiceover? You know, oh, 20, 30, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I again I saw Ben a few, you know, months later. I was like, oh, did, did Daryl and Giles play that game with you about how many takes it'll take you to No. Because <laughs> he was always just one first time, one take. Ben He's Edwards brilliant, is a legend. Absolutely we, we, legend. We have had him on the podcast. He's he very, very I mean, we were having technical difficulties that day and he was he was very good. He that was on lovely. form. Actually, just one thing I would like to mention that I do listen to the Checkered Flag podcast and the banter between Jenny, you and Julian, it's great. It's just, it's, it's quite refreshing just to hear the kind of, the, gen- the, the, the kind of subtle ribbon between each other and I do quite enjoy it. And I, I've listened to Julian in the past a few times, like the commentary, and it's amazing how quick, I, th- I can't remember who it was, but somebody crashed. And the only thing you saw on the telly was, He's in the barrier, and within seconds, Julie went, Hey, that's his brakes. Yeah, yeah, never, yeah. And yeah, I'm going, yeah, yeah. You never even saw the car. It was the in car view and the barrier, yeah. and you're like, Oh, it's his brakes. And sure enough, it was. And you're like, oh, Genius. No, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. I think he's the best there is, honestly, as much as I rib him. And uh, he, he, Jenny, and I had lunch today, actually. So, so that was, that was a very, we had a very nice lunch. So that's what I was talking about, actually, with the earlier with the, the Piastri or Wes Ricardo going all the rumors. It, I was sitting with Jenny and Jolien, and we're, we're all just, guessing where mm. he's you know these people are going to go so no the the yeah we have we yeah we all that yeah we get along you know well enough and there's a bit you know <laughs> what i mean like there's a bit of you know things annoy me but he gets annoyed by me because i don't listen to him sometimes i'll be like checking something on wikipedia he'll say something and then i'll just repeat exactly what he's just said and that annoys <laughs> him and, and then but then he does the same to me but he doesn't realize he does the same to me because he thinks he's you know god's gift because he was an f1 <laughs> driver so oh, yeah. you know we, we you know it's, it's it's a lot of fun so thank you for thank you for tuning in i was going to say if if there's anything you could ever commentate on that wasn't motorsport what other sports do you watch maybe that you'd that you'd like to give it a go at well i'm quite lucky i've done quite a bit actually so i initially i thought i wanted to do football commentary so i started doing some football commentary because i really like football but i've learned that you have to be just absolutely obsessed with something to commentate on it you know like mm. you have to be like just you can't just quite like it. Mm. If you want to do a good job, you got to be nuts for it. And I don't have that with football. And actually, there's a commentator called John Murray on Five Live, who's like Five Live's main football commentator. Uh-huh. And I said this to him once, and he said, yeah, he he once tried Wimbledon because he thought, oh, I love Wimbledon, love a bit of tennis. And then he was on court two doing, I don't know, the fifth seed against the eighth seed. And he was like, oh, no, actually, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> Whereas I could, do, I, could, I could commentate on any motorsport. You know, even yeah. I did the Porsche Super Cup for a few years. I used to love it. And like, it's not the most exciting racing in the world, but I'll do it. If someone says, come and do, you know, I'd go and commentate at the weekend at Snetterton on some 
Master MX fives and I'd and I'd love it. You know, that's how much of a sort of loser I am. One of the funnest things I ever commentated on was snowboard cross and ski cross at the Winter Olympics in wow. 2014. Loved doing that. Absolutely loved it. Out in Sochi and yeah, in Russia in Sochi, commentating on those things was was a whole lot of fun. Really enjoyed those. I love snowboarding. I'm a snowboarder myself. So yeah, that's, oh, that lovely. sounds, that sounds I was cool. good on so I was I good say on the... snowboard. I'm not like a professional, but I, no. I've done it. Well I was <laughs> good on the I was good on the racing stuff, you know, mm. when they raced, but then they also had me doing snowboard half pipe and slope style and I was abysmal, abysmal. <laughs> so that was I got so much abuse on social media. I got emails from people in America saying I've ruined snowboarding. It was, <laughs> it was a really that was a dark that was a really dark time because I've never snowboarded and all of a sudden I'm having to work out what a Japan grab is and they would go up in the air and I'd I'd be counting them around like one, two, two, three. He's done a five seventy. Oh, I can't remember which did he take off Goofy? I, I like I, just, I was just I was just absolutely useless at that. But the racing stuff was was a lot of fun and kind of, you know, in my in my ballpark, I suppose. And as a massive geek in motorsport, as you've admitted to being, you know, you 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 love it. You've lived, loved it for your whole life. Who do you get kind of starstruck when you see these drivers? You know, is it kind of like, wow, you, you know, I was watching you, you know, I don't know. Say, say you're a Damon Hill fan and you yeah, get some rough Damon shoulders Hill's with him one. and whatnot. Yeah, Damon Hill's the one. And I remember there was a really, I've, I've never really spoken to Damon, honestly. We've been in like the same group conversation on a few occasions. There was a weird time flying back from, I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been Abu Dhabi 15. Cause I was coming back. I wasn't doing F1, but I was doing formerly in Malaysia mm. and like stopped in Abu Dhabi on the flight back anyway. And I ended up sitting next to Damon Hill for like this 10 hour flight delay or wow. like two seats away. And I was, I was never talking to him, but he was talking to the guy in between us. And so we were all sort of half in this conversation and that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was amazing. I think Hill's the, Hill's the big one for, for me. Button was a big one. I, I got in, yeah, in, in 2009, I was meant to go to the Italian Grand Prix with my girlfriend. She broke up with me. And uh, I thought that if, like a week before, and I thought that if I could get Jensen Button to sign her brawn shirt, <laughs> that she'd come back or something. I don't know how oh, that worked. No. So I was waiting there for Button for like, you know, three or four hours after the race. And my dad's there like, why are we? But fine, <laughs> fine, poor kid. Uh, so I was like 19 or something at the time. And yeah, Jensen never, never signed it. So never oh. got her back. But then now it's like, I've done a few bits. I did some of Jensen's book launchy things. And then even the other day in New York, you know, he's like, hi. And, you know, I'm sort of not, 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 not fret, but you know, we know each other enough to be like, all right. Yeah. And so that stuff is quite weird to me still, you know. Okay. Any more questions for Jack before we wrap up this podcast? Because I realize we've been going on for probably a little bit longer than we should have. No, good. All good. All good. Yeah, okay. same with me. I think we've been talking for a very long time. We have, haven't we? I'm used to, it feels like spa last year all of a sudden. I'm getting flashbacks. Just non-stop <laughs> talking. Just about well, anything. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, might have to talk. do it this weekend as well. You <laughs> never know. A 20-minute talk about the William Stock flying down the, the, the pit lane. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that was four, a long... Four yeah. hours we did. Four hours wow. with no cars. Wow. That's a, that, that, that. See, there's the talent there, you know. Obviously, you've, you've you've had that, and then you would have had to commentate on the Grosjean crash as well. Those sorts of incidents, and it, yeah. obviously, that it's that that kind of is your kind of heart in your mouth as well while you're there. Is that is that kind of, you know, you, you're you're probably worried at y- yourself at that point about um, what's happened. A little bit. It's it's weird. A little bit. 
with the Grosjean one, it was like with the Grosjean one. Look, I, so I've 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 unfortunately had to cover a sort of you know a, a couple of deaths to be honest. Mm. I was commentating on the Five Live on on the Japanese Grand Prix in 2014 with Jules Bianchi, and okay, you would nothing was ever really quite clear what happened at, at that at that race, you know. So so that was just a bit of a just a bit weird because it's not like you saw a crash and then we're like oh that's bad or you know because nothing it was a very strange one yeah and then I, I commentated on a on a on a or i was covering a race in the lamborghini super trofeo in about i think i think it was 2012 or 13 i can't, I can't quite remember and a guy called andrea mame was killed in like a in like a start line crash and so those you know that kind of comes with the with the territory um mm-hmm. a little bit and i think most of the time i'm not particularly worried because my you're sort of in the zone right you're in the focus of ah okay this has been a big incident what 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 should i do or say or what's the appropriate way to deal with this scenario so actually that comes before the the concern for the because i don't know i can't do anything for the driver mm. so my main concern at that time is is to is to tell the story of this serious incident that's happening mm-hmm. appropriately. And, and then you kind of worry about the driver afterwards. And the Grosjean one was weird because I was, I just thought there was no way it would be a car. You know what I mean? I thought he yeah. would hit the barriers and it was something behind the barrier that had blown up or so like, because it, it was such a weird, I I'd never seen a mm. F1 car burst into flames after a crash since the, you know, early nineties or something. You'd like yeah. burger at, burger in 89 or whenever it was at tamburello or something like that so it was such a weird one that i kind of didn't believe it was that that's what had happened and then and then you see that he's out and you're like okay that's that's good so i i'm lucky that i've not had it like the I don't, and i don't and i apologize for ending the the podcast on a, on a tough note but like that I, I was in the commentary box we were just about to leave spa in 19 and we were just about to leave and we thought, oh well, we'll just we quite often just as we're about to leave, we'll we'll watch the first lap of the F two, and then we'll and then we'll head off. So I was in the commentary box, yeah. you know, when the when the Hubert crash happened, and and that was one where you sit and you go, oh, oh, you know, this is really really terrible. And and full credit to, and we sort of stayed around a little bit to sort of, I don't know, because you sort of felt like you sort of should or something, and then mm. we and then we just left because you realise there's nothing you can you can do. And as I was leaving, I popped my head in next door and and or i think just through the window i just gave alex jakes like a sort of you know thumbs up kind of just like a good you know good because that was one of the toughest things to yeah to deal with and i thought jakesy did a did a did a superb job with that both then and then the, the next day and you know the next race and and, and i thought jakesy was superb at, at that and and you know luckily for me and the people i've come, i've never had to deal with something quite that yeah sort of bad and kind of graphic I, I i suppose but you know that it is a thing that can happen and yeah you sort of have to be not prepared for it but 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 aware of it you know yeah and, and more power to you you do you do a great job all of you you know you, you always manage it and handle it with with 100 respect and that's something that i probably wouldn't be able to do myself in terms of that i'd be too concentrating on the actual incident I'm like oh what how's that driver i wouldn't be able to talk i don't think I, especially when i saw that grosjean crash but when because i watched that live and i just thought oh there's no way he's getting out of that that's just huge yeah you know and and that's what i would say and, I, and that's not what you'd want to say to you know millions of people watching at home so you know well, that's, that's yeah and that's the other thing when it's that's the other interesting thing when it's radio is that 
anyone who's listening to the radio hasn't seen the crash. So you're like, well, how, you know, and you, cause you don't want to be like, you know, and we'll, we'll stick with the Grosjean example because obviously he's, he's good and fine and, yeah. you know, driving into people in IndyCar. So <laughs> I think that, you know, you, uh, to use that example, he, you know, on the radio, you just like, can you, until you know, he's out, you don't want to be like, oh my God, there's a huge fireball. This car has just blown the, the, just blown the hell up. Mm. And this is the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. This is unbelievable. There's no way he's alive. You know, you mm. can't, you don't want to say that stuff. So it's no. just, so I sort of, you, cause you don't want to worry people, even though you still have to say what's happened. So, you know, you kind of, I played it down a little bit, the accident. It's like, oh, he's gone off. It's a really big crash, but then that's kind of it. And tried to keep kind of level. And then once he's out, then you can be like, right guys, that was, that was actually absolutely massive, but you don't mm. want to just go barreling in with, oh, that's horrific. There's no way he's getting out of there a lot. You know, that, that is so, but I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I think that. I don't know why I think that. But anyway, I had discussions with the Beeb afterwards actually about it because I was like, I don't know why that feels like the right thing to do. Mm. But it, but it, but it kind of did for some reason. And, and, and yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I think you too. I think you are right though. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to write someone off, you know, in that, in no, that but moment. No, but I sort of, you know, you, I don't know. Should I be saying, oh, it's a huge fireball, the car's blown up and he's, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 anyway, we're, we're, I'm now I'm getting waffly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Okay, well, we'll move on and we'll end the podcast there. I'd like to say thank you very much for, for coming to speak to us today, Jack. It's been very eye-opening and it's been good to have your opinions on, on, on the rest of the season as well. Formula One and Formula, uh, obviously, the, the championship of Formula E that has finished as well. So thank you very much for coming to talk to us. No, th- no, it's been a, a lot of fun. Thank you for thank you for having me and enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love you to come on for maybe a, a race review. So it could be good to get you, your opinion on a race later on in the season if you'd be interested. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, sure. Hopefully sure, we sure. haven't scared you off by keeping you for 15 hours or something. No, no. <laughs> I've had great fun. Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, we are the Everything F1 podcast. You can find us on all our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, and our website, www.everythingf1.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on the podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Bye-bye, everyone. We'll speak to you next week where we review the Spa Grand Prix. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.